0: Today, uh, we look around us, and and uh, as children grow, I mean, if you if you're mean enough of a father to stop your children and to discipline them, everybody looks down upon you and and criticizes you for doing that. And if your kids turn out well, it well it's all because of their mother. Amen. And uh, but that's part of being a father is not having to take credit for everything. Amen. There there is a whole issue today where everybody has to be good or giving credit or being honored or where when has it been wrong just to do right because it's right to do. Amen. Whether nobody recognizes it or not. I mean there's a lot of reasons why fatherhood is is under so much opposition today and And let's just be really blunt and honest. If you can't be honest in church, where can you be honest? Or where will you be honest would be a better question to ask. There's one of the reasons why fatherhood is under such assault today is because fathers have brought a lot of blame upon them for not fulfilling the office of father. They decided not to... To be there, Uh, they decided that there was something more important. Let me tell you something today, there is nothing more important than your children. I don't care what goes on in life, I don't care what uh, uh, attainment that you can attain, what honor you can... Uh, 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 be given or uh, be awarded to you what degrees or whatever accolades you can earn. If you are a parent today, if you have children, there is nothing more important than your children. Now, we have to be careful. We're in New York City, and this is the place where children are king. They run things, and that is why dad is the meanest man on earth, because he's supposed to stop that, amen? Um, But there's a lot of other reasons why fatherhood's under assault, assault, and that's because there's an awful lot of people in our society today that have a problem with this thing called authority. And we could go through all of the things that have happened and all the laws that have been passed and all of the uh, 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 problems and, and, you know, we have some people out there that believe that only some religious figure could, should be called father. You know, that's one of the things the Bible streaks, speaks directly against. A religious leader should not be called rabbi or master because there's only one master, that is Jesus Christ. Amen? And uh, a religious leader, a religious preacher, a teacher should not be called father. The Bible strictly prohibits that because there's only one spiritual father. And that is God. And one of the reasons fatherhood is under such assault today is because we have these religious organizations and these governmental organizations that are there trying to fulfill the position and the duties of father in the home. And really, if we stop and look at it, when father does not fulfill his responsibilities, who's going to step into that void? Well, it's going to either be the church or the government, one of the two. And that always brings destruction when you get things out of God's order. But let me just roll all this up and I don't want to spend much, I don't want to spend any more time discussing the reasons why fatherhood is under assault today or the reasons why people are opposed to what biblical fatherhood is. But let me just put it in one sentence, in one statement here. The devil is opposed to good and godly fatherhood because it teaches anyone who beholds it about the God of heaven and his great love for us. The devil is the one that ultimately is against the human position of father because if a father does what the Bible says, it will teach anyone who watches it A little bit about God and how much He loves us and what God wants to do for us. Men, that puts you in a position of direct attack by the devil. Anyone, you want to know where the devil is active today? He is not active in the nightclubs and the bars, He already has those people. He's, he doesn't have to fight for them. But he is active any place where he can destroy, where he can uh, corrupt God's teaching about himself. One of the reasons why so many people struggle with accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior today is simply because they have had no authority figure in their life whatsoever that was real. And all of a sudden, to try to submit your life as an authority figure to God and to all of these things is so foreign, they have no concept of it. And what we want to do here is we want to look in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, and we want to walk through some verses today. And... We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're just going to stay here. The first uh, four verses here are talking about our service for Christ. And it tells us that we're to run that race with patience. And it gives us this picture not of the 100-yard dash or even of the quarter mile or any of these other races that are run, but the picture is more of the marathon. It is the long-distance run. It is the run that can... uh, Actually, the run that the Bible's talking about will take you your entire life to complete. You are to run that race with patience. And it says, in verse 4, it says, You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You're still alive. You keep running the race. Then we get to the passage that we're going to deal with this morning. Verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had, our, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much, more, much rather be in subjection unto the Father of the spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But, Let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau Who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright? Now, as we look at this passage today, we as Christians are giving an admonition here. It says, Listen, as you're running this race, you're still alive, you've not resisted unto blood, no one has killed you because you're a Christian. Keep running. And it says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. How many of you had some fun while you were a child? I mean, you were just able to enjoy life. And I'm not talking about doing bad things. That's not fun. It is for a little bit, but it always brings a lot more trouble than it does good. Now, didn't it? I'm talking about just being able to enjoy life as a child, run barefoot in the yard and not have to worry about someone being there before you with broken beer bottles and all kinds of stuff and, and just be able to go fishing and not have to worry about getting toxins from the fish you catch and, uh, and just being able to climb a tree. And not have some environmentalist wacko come up and try to tell you you're destroying nature by climbing a tree. Uh, God made trees for climbing, amen? And um, just being able to enjoy life. How many of you have had a few thoughts like that right now? Could you just... Now, okay, if the rest of you have, not I only saw about ten hands, so we're going to have to start over again here. But the Bible says, this admonition speaketh unto you as unto children. How many of you had a parent that cared enough about you to correct you? Oh, now we got some hands. Okay, well that's good. The Bible tells us that parents, especially father is supposed to discipline his children. Now, that's a dirty word today. But the word discipline and the word disciple are from the same root word. The word disciple means that you follow in the disciplines of a teacher. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that means you follow what Jesus says. That's why they were called Christians, is because they followed the disciplines of Jesus Christ. If you are a disciple of Karl Marx, we would call you either a socialist or a communist. If you follow his disciplines... Or Democrat? Excuse. I'm sorry. It just slipped out. Listen. If you follow the disciplines of another person, the teachings, you become their disciple. Do you not? That's what it's all about. Today we speak so much about mentoring. You pick. A- you turn on the radio. There's an advertising. We need mentors for our young people. No, we need fathers for our young people. We, we do not need progenitors. If you're old enough to understand that word, you got the point. Amen? Uh, we don't need, we need fathers. We need someone who's going to be a little more involved in the life of their children than just procreation. That's what this verse, this passage here says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Now look at this next question. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? I could spend the whole morning on that. Phrase right there. I mean, we could pick example after example out of society today. For what son is he whom the Lord, whom the father chasteneth not? How many have heard of Marilyn Manson, the rock star, wicked, evil man? He did all kinds of. Wicked evil things as a child his father who was supposed to be a preacher Never disciplined him wonder where he came from He is a child that the father chasteneth not I Don't know much about Michael Moore's upbringing the movie maker Well, I guess you call that movie. It's called propaganda because it's a lie That's the difference between truth and propagandas propaganda is just a message you 're trying to put out, regardless of whether it 's true or not uh, i don 't know much about his upbringing, but anything that looks and acts like that couldn 't have had much intervention in his life from godly parents i 'll tell you that or from anyone in particular. as we look at this society today there 's a lot of people i 've heard them say my My parents made me go to church and my parents made me do this and I'm never going to make my kids do anything. Now that is not true. That is a lie. I have never met a parent who didn't have to make their child take a bath on occasion. Amen? And I've never known a child that always wanted to be clean all by themselves. That is something that has to be taught. Isn't that true? Don't tell me you're not going to make your kids do anything if your kid decided all he was going to eat was Snicker bars. Are you going to go out and buy him Snicker bars? You want him to turn out like that guy? They had to cut the wall out to get him out because all he ate was McDonald's and Subway sandwiches and junk food all his life and weighed, what was it, a thousand pounds? And and in fact, to take him to the hospital to save his life, they had to knock the wall down to get him out of the house. That's a son whom the father chasteneth not. That's what the Bible is saying here. You want a son whom the father doesn't chase and you're going to have problems. There is no thing in life that you can try that doesn't require discipline. As I look out over the auditorium, I see a couple of our ladies that are here today that are nurses. They didn't become nurses by accident. School was tough. (laughs) Clinicals were even tougher than school. They're smiling because I'm telling the truth. And real life is even worse than the clinicals. I mean, it's hard work to be a nurse. And I could pick a dozen other professions that are represented here today. It doesn't matter what you do. My son is responsible basically for cleaning the church. I am constantly working with him. Saying this is not clean. It looks clean, but if you just look at the edge, you got the middle but you didn't get the edge. I mean that's part of cleaning. We ain't cleaning ladies here today or people that do cleaning. I'll tell you what. Clean is not just getting the stuff out of the middle, it's getting the whole place. I mean, it takes some discipline to be a a good cleaner, does it not? It doesn't matter what you do with your life. If you do anything, it takes this thing called discipline. You've got to know the difference between right and wrong. One of my kids got me a little bumper sticker. I put it under the glass on my desk. It says, what part of no don't you get? You know, God wants to teach us the meaning of that word. Could we spend a little bit of time on the word no today? The word no is one of the most important words in the English language. I'm talking about N-O. No. As in, we are not going to do this. This is not going to occur. This is a negative word. Now, as a preacher, we're supposed to preach on the positive, but I'll tell you what, this Bible is full of both positive and negative things. And chastening is not a positive thing. It is a negative thing. I have never yet punished one of my children for doing something good. Not supposed to, amen? I want to reward them for doing good. And one of the questions I get asked is, Dad, I did all these things right. I only did one little thing wrong, and you're on that wrong thing. Yes, that's because I'm your father, and that's my job, amen? to find out the wrong things. Because if somebody doesn't teach you the difference between right and wrong when you're little, you won't be able to understand it when you get big. We have a police officer here today. Has to deal with people all the time who don't understand the difference between right and wrong. Oh, you police, you're just persecuting us. Yeah, if you'd stop breaking the law, we'd stop persecuting you. Works out pretty good that way, doesn't it? But if you don't teach the difference between right and wrong to a little child, it's an awful lot harder to learn when they become an adult. We used to say, well, if you don't learn it here at home, I'm going to send you to the Marine Corps. Well, let me tell you something, the Marine Corps doesn't want you if you don't know the difference between right and wrong. They don't have time to raise you. They want you to be a good Marine or any other branch of the military. The Bible says God disciplines his children because discipline is a sign of love. You want security in this world? You want self-esteem? Know the difference between right and wrong, and you'll find a sense of security. Let me give you an, uh, just a physical example of this. How many of you have seen these concrete barriers that they put in the middle of the road? And they slant like this and come up Everybody know what I'm talking about there. They've developed them in the last, oh, I guess 15, 20 years is when I've seen them be put in more than any other time. Do you know that that barrier there is a form of discipline when you drive? It will not allow you to go into oncoming traffic. How many people know what happens when you go into oncoming traffic? It's called death and destruction. That barrier is made in a special way. It has that little slope on the bottom so that as your car drifts over and you may bump into that barrier, it will push you back into the lane of travel if it's a very minor infraction. That's good discipline, isn't it? If you hit it hard enough, It is designed to pick up the side of your car and turn it over before you go into oncoming traffic rather than moving the barrier. That's better illustration of harsher discipline. You really don't want your vehicle to turn over. That is not good. But it still beats going into oncoming traffic. Lastly, if you hit that barrier hard enough, it is designed in such a way as to do everything that is possible to slow you down and keep you from passing through that barrier into oncoming traffic. There have been many cars that have been totally destroyed by hitting that barrier. But I will tell you, one day I was driving up the Gowanus, the elevated section there, the BQE, right as you coming through Brooklyn, and there was a car in two halves. It had hit that barrier and literally split the car in two. One half was upside down on one side of the road, and from the windshield forward was right side up on the other side of the road. I'm glad that most of the accident scene was taken care of before I got there. I am not one of those people who like to hang my head out the car and see all of the gore. But it is an illustration of what discipline will do. As a little child, we as parents need to nudge our children back into the right way and teach them that staying in this path is best for them. Let's look here at verse 9. It says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. I'll tell you, that's something that's totally missing today, is it not? Walk through the supermarket and regularly hear little children cussing, swearing, using profanity toward their parents. My wife will usually grab my hand and say, let's go to another aisle. She doesn't want me to say anything, and I really don't want to say anything because I know what will happen if I do say something. It'll be my fault, not theirs. Tell you what. The Bible says that this thing of honor And respect. It says we gave our earthly fathers. I never once thought of disrespecting my father. That was just not an option. He had worked that out long before I got big enough to understand what might happen if I did. Amen. Uh, It was just solved. That was a problem that just never was in our home. But one of the reasons why we have so much problems respecting our Heavenly Father and honoring Him is because we've never had that relationship with an earthly father here on earth. It's a brand new thing. When my father said no, I didn't ask him which part he wanted me to worry about. I knew what he meant and things had better change in a big hurry or other things were going to happen to force a big change in a big hurry and you say, oh I I don't believe in abusing children Uh, I don't remember mentioning that except for right now but I've had people all the time think if you discipline your children you abuse them those two things are as Opposites as anything can possibly be. There, child abuse, harming your children, is not the position of any father. And anyone who does that ought to be arrested and go to jail. Discipline is not abuse. Discipline always builds. Abuse always destroys. They're mutually exclusive things. What a world we live in where we have to address that issue. Isn't that sad? But it's just part of our society today. It's because people cannot control themselves and refuse to. It says, if we respected our earthly fathers... How much more should we respect God? You see, this book of the Hebrews was written to Jewish people. The idea of growing up in a home and not respecting your father was as foreign as growing up in your home and eating bacon for breakfast. I mean, it just wasn't part of who and what you were. And yet, we live in a society where children constantly correct and disrespect their parents. I get tired of this. Oh, my child, so he's so much smarter than I. Uh, just because your child can retain more knowledge than you do, that does not abdicate your position as father. Amen. You still do the job. Discipline. And this is where we go here. Look what it says. For they verily, verse 11, tw- I mean, verse 10, for they verily, for a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, this is the goal. A father should discipline his children so that there is peace and order in the home. That's just part of it. Amen? Can we say amen to that this morning? There ought to be peace and order in the home. There ought to be direction. A father ought to discipline his children in such a way as to bring that about. And to guide his home in the right direction. And if you have any problem trying to figure out what the direction, I recommend a book that will give you more direction than you need. Amen? It will give you everything you need. Just follow what it says. It says, God disciplines us so that we'll be partakers of His holiness. One of the biggest things we deal with today in our society is this word called depression. Everywhere, right? Have you ever thought that God might be trying to get your attention and turn you away from those things and get your attention back on Him? God disciplines people. He uses different things to get your attention. And I will tell you this, if your outlook on life is dismal and dank and dark and dreary, you didn't get that outlook from this book called the Bible. Maybe God's trying to get your attention, amen? God said, I've come to give you joy, come to give you life and that life more abundantly, He said, I want you to learn how to pray and get your prayers answered that your joy may be full. These are the things that God wants for us if we don't have them in our life. Maybe because God is dealing with us as with children. He is disciplining us. Let's not go to the medicine cabinet. Let's go to the prayer closet." Let's open this book called the Bible. You see, discipline hurts. You've got to make the punishment sufficient to discourage the behavior. Amen? If your child took a penchant for playing with the gas stove, and want to oh I know I just go get those little knobs that they can't turn the stove. They think they're playing with it but they're not doing anything. That's really not the answer. The answer is to modify behavior. Is to change their desire to play with the stove because if they play with it long enough, you don't catch them, they're going to blow the house up or part of the building you live in. I mean, it's going to be bad stuff. You don't want that going on. You would do everything in your power to keep that child from doing something that's going to hurt them. Amen? It doesn't matter what's on the table. If Joseph is there, he's going to grab the most dangerous thing on the table first. You can have a dozen spoons and two or three forks and one knife. What's he going to get? He's going to get the knife first. That's what little kids do. So what do you do? You grab that hand, amen? And you get the knife out of it and you keep them from doing anything because a little child doesn't understand these things. Amen? We want to protect our children. That's what discipline is about. God wants to discipline us so we can be partakers of His holiness. Amen? And discipline is not fun you shouldn't feel good when you're being punished but how many of you have been disciplined whether your parents were saved or not after a godly sort you were disciplined your behavior was modified and you are better for it today how many people would raise a hand to that? Okay. That's what the Bible says here, afterwards it yieldeth, let me read it right, nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now we got a few commands and we'll be done this morning. Listen, number one, God gives us a father as an example of his love for us. God is going to deal with us as a godly father ought to deal with his children. He is going to discipline us. He is going to modify behavior. And that discipline, when it comes, is not going to be a time where we're just jumping up and down and full of joy. It's going to be something that is going to be depressing. Depressing. It is going to be a burden. It is going to be something that is going to weigh upon us because God wants to change the way we live. And the writer of Hebrews is telling us here, listen, don't despise that. Don't look down upon that. Don't get angry at God because He's put something difficult in your life. Understand He's trying to change your behavior so that you can be partakers of His holiness. That's a good thing, amen? Now here's something we're supposed to do as a church. Whole list of things. It says we're supposed to lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Have you ever just gotten worn out? And you just let everything drag? When you see another believer... You need to come alongside and lift up those feeble hands. Amen? How about knees? Prayer time, amen? You get on your knees before God and put some time in prayer, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's difficult sometimes. We need to encourage one another to pray. That's what the prayer meeting is all about on Sunday night. That's why you need to be here for prayer meeting. To be encouraged to learn how to pray. You have a real time of prayer with God. You can't be discouraged. Amen? Verse 13, your father, this is your main job. Make straight paths for your feet. Your children will follow you. Now, where do you want to leave them? You want to lead them to the local bar or the local nightclub? Just go there. They'll follow you. You want to lead them to church? You be there. They'll follow you. You make your path straight. Make it easy for your children to follow you. Don't get into this thing of living a complex life. It's simple to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with your life it may mean that you just have to shut your computer off and unplug it and leave it alone. It won't kill you. You weren't born hooked up to one. Children have been born for generations before there were computers. Amen? That dent in your hand is not for a Game Boy. Leave some of this stuff alone. Make straight your paths. What do you do when you relax and enjoy yourself? Sit down and wrap your hand around a cold one, and you're going to raise kids that are going to have problems with alcohol and drugs. Promise you. So, my children never saw me drunk. That doesn't matter. You're leading them in a way that's going to take them to where they're going to find people who are. You want your children to grow up and not have to battle with all of the immorality and pornography and filthiness of our society. Don't relax in front of the TV set. Make your path straight. Because there are little feet following you. Make it easy for them to follow Jesus. Make it hard for them to go out into the world. That's what discipline is. Don't discourage your children, but encourage them. I've used Peter as an example many times. Some of you will remember some of the struggles we were having. He called me up uh, last year and said, Dad, thank you for being so mean. That's why I've entitled this sermon, The Meanest Man in the World. He said, I see what you were trying to say. You see, afterwards it yieldeth that fruit of righteousness. That's what being a father is. Look what it says here. Follow peace with all men and holiness. I'll tell you, I followed my dad to church. Not only on Sunday morning, on Sunday night, on Wednesday night we had the boys group, and, and I followed him there on Tuesday nights and Friday nights and Saturday nights as we did different things in the church. and. I grew up fixing squeaky doors and getting rid of crickets and all of those things in our church building. My dad's got two preachers out of three boys. You see, they they followed him. Amen. My dad followed holiness. He didn't grow up holy. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. He didn't grow up where truth and righteousness were presented to him every day. But once he got saved, He said, I don't want for my kids what I had. And he made sure that our home was a place where we knew about God and about holiness. The Bible says, verse 15, our last point this morning, looking diligently. Looking diligently. I get a little tired of this word control freak that people use. Oh, he's just a control freak. He wants to know where I am and what I'm doing all the time. That is so lame. I don't want to only know where my kids are and what they're doing. I want to know what they're thinking all the time. Amen? You see, that's what looking diligently is all about. I would hope by this time, as some of my children are getting a little older into the teenage years, That they're afraid to try certain things. I want my kids to be afraid to touch alcohol or cigarettes or drugs of any kind. Because dad's going to find out. Yes, he is. He's going to find out. And you'll be grounded until you're 45. This dating stuff that goes on today is a bunch of foolishness. My kids don't need to know what it means to be married until they're old enough to get married. My son called me from Bible college talking about maybe finding a girlfriend He, he thinks he's actually found someone that might like him and that's a feat let me tell you. I said son let me just tell you something. Don't you start anything until you're ready to have a family, until you've got a job, till you can support that family. If you're not ready to get married, you're not ready to date. But shouldn't we have some fun? Hey, he has dozens of friends, both male and female. I mean, Peter does not know personally all 453 students on campus. But I will tell you this, all 453 students on campus are aware that Peter is there. That's just the kind of person Peter is, and God's going to use that someday. But let me tell you something. Looking diligently. There's a list of things that we're supposed to look diligent for. It says... Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Peter was raised in a Christian home. He heard preaching every day of his life, just about. But let me tell you, he didn't get saved until he was 11 years old. He made a profession of faith when he was five, four. But he didn't get saved until he was 11. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fa- fail of the grace of God. God's grace never fails. But if you're not truly saved, you will fall off eventually. Parents, you're to look diligently. You're to examine that life. You're to keep the pressure on. To you know sure, for sure, as much as a human can know, my child is saved. Amen? It says here they were to look diligently, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. If your child is bitter, you better find out why. If they've got an issue they can't solve, it will destroy them as an adult. You've got to root that out when they're a child. Amen? Lest there be any fornicator or profane person. You ought to know where your kids go on the internet. You ought to know every site that they look at. You ought to question them. You ought to know everything they're doing. We live in a morally perverse society. Children that are alive today will see more vile, wicked, pornographic things walking down the street than your grandfather could have found looking for it in the darkest dens of iniquity. That's how much our society has changed. You've got to look diligently. Because if you're not, let me tell you, the world is. You take the grace of God and profane it going to destroy you. The world wants to steal your purity before you even are old enough to understand what it is. We need to look diligent. You know what most of the problem is? Most of the parents are fighting their own battles and struggling against their own things and they don't have time to take care of the kids today. If you're going to be a father, let's be Christian enough that we can help someone else walk in the right paths. Amen? That's what this passage is talking about. Esau was raised in Isaac's home. But he was profane. He had no regard for the things of God. And there are many children today that are raised in Christian homes, in preacher's homes, that are profane. And the reason is, is because someone wasn't looking diligently to keep those barriers in place, to keep them in the right direction. Listen. This is what God wants to do in each one of our lives. One of the reasons we have problems, people have problems today, accepting God and His authority is because they've never had to accept the authority of an earthly father. They never have understood that. There are people here today, no doubt, that are saying, Oh, I wish I had a father like you're talking about. I I wish I had someone who would have been there to do these things in my life. Well... Let's just stop for a moment, and let me tell you, there is. His name is God. He's cared enough about you to write a whole book and send His Son, Jesus Christ, to live here and to die and to raise again from the dead. He wants to be more involved in your life than any earthly father ever could be. You say, I, I don't understand. I, I just don't comprehend this. I've never had a father. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Uh, let me ask you this. Would you be willing to just trust God and let Him take care of that? Amen? He's not going to hurt you. He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You've got to understand who God is to believe in Him. It's not the God of Benny Hinn the God who needs his mother to mitigate his anger so that he won't destroy you, that's a different God. It's not the one in the Bible. You don't need a God who's worried about how much money you're going to put in the offering plate to whether he decides to forgive you for your sins or not. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is one who wants to build a daily relationship with you based upon his words. If you're going to get saved, you've got to obey his words. My dad only had one real rule in the house. Do what I say. If you had any questions, he just sent you back to that first rule. Now, can I just be honest with you? My dad wasn't right about everything. But he was always my dad. Amen? Amen. God is right about everything. He'll never, ever be wrong. It's not possible for him to be even the difference between what is good and best. God is always what is best. I just want to challenge us today as a church. I want to challenge us as individuals. to submit to the will of the father to take our lives and say I don't understand but I'm going to do it by the way I want to follow God if you are not saved today I would beg you everything that is in me I I plead with you would You allow me to open this book called the Bible and show you how you can have God as your father. You say, Pastor, there's no way you can answer all my questions today. Listen, you see me after the service, I'll move things on my schedule so there'll be enough time for us to sit down and answer those questions. And if we can't get it done in the first 16 hours, we'll make another time, amen? No, it won't take that long. But some people, you have have a lot to work through. And we've met for weeks and weeks because that's what my time is for as a pastor. We want you to understand what God's Word says and enjoy the relationship that He wants to have as your Heavenly Father. Amen? And secondly, I would encourage you, if you're an earthly father here today, you'd step up to the plate. That doesn't mean you have to be a miserable father, but you got to do that every day of your life if you're a father. Amen? you got to make straight those paths. you got to lift up the hands which hang down in the feeble knees. Your children ought to know that you pray, that you go to church, that you walk in the ways of righteousness and holiness. You ought to look diligently into every aspect of your children's life and your own so that you can follow God. If you're upset about what's going on politically in our nation today, join the crowd. I don't know anybody that's happy. Right or left, conservative or liberal, I think everybody's upset. The answer's not there. The answer's right here and the answer is what's going to happen in individual homes tomorrow and the next day. We have a generation that have no idea what authority is. Now they're trying to be in authority. It won't work. We need to show people what authority is and teach them. And all God's people said Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this, this morning here, and Lord, we've waded through some very difficult things and some deep things, some deep-seated things, both emotionally and spiritually. Lord, we pray that no one would be sidetracked by just thinking and wishing, oh, I wish it could have been different as I was growing up, or, but that we would look to the God of heaven who wants to make things different today in our lives. Lord, we're thankful that there's forgiveness for all who will come to you. There's mercy for anyone who will surrender. There's salvation for all who will believe. Lord, we ask that you would make us mindful of our Heavenly Father. And that we would submit once again to his authority and his position. Give him the reverence due that his name. And we would understand that you do want to lift up the, the weak hands, the feeble knees. That you, your paths are already the straightest paths that have ever been made. They will take us to holiness and righteousness. And that you're looking diligently. You're running to and fro throughout the entire earth just watching for an opportunity to show your power and your goodness. Lord, we pray you would find opportunities here at this church and in the lives of people who are in this auditorium this morning. We pray that if there be one here today, and Lord, we know there are more than one, cannot help but be more than one in a group this size, that they would be willing to surrender their heart and life to Jesus Christ. We pray you would do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.